Hello, and welcome to Thing of the Week, a podcast where two nerds talk about their most recent obsessions. I'm Nick. And I'm Luke. And you can find us every Monday at noon Central Time on Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Spotify, and as always, Copy RSS. What's going on, Nick? Oh, not too much. Not too much. I've been on days this week. I, I just switched to days. So I'm kind yeah. of getting used to that. So we're um, continuing on a trend of recording at a different time every week. Uh, yeah. It's currently 4.45 in the afternoon on a Thursday. Thursday, so that's new. Um, yeah. Well, you know, so like my first week back on days um, usually just means that I'm tired all the time. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. So you doing nights before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. on second shift, and then I went to th- uh, first shift, so. And I actually like being on first shift better. It's just always an adjustment period. I remember uh, when I was in college and I was working um, at like five, six in the morning until like noon, one o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I didn't even uh, like that's that's such a weird shift. I didn't even need to change shift times for that to completely screw up my sleep schedule. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, I, I was in college. I wasn't going to go to bed at 6 p.m., you know. Oh, God, uh, I was going to go to bed at I was gonna go to go bed at midnight and then wake yeah. up at 4 a.m. to go to work. And then yep. I'd come back home and I would be just dead-ass tired. Yep. And I'd nap for four hours. And God knows how many years that took off my life doing yeah. that for four years straight. I've been there. I have been there. I remember when I worked at the Casey's uh, gas station. You know, so that's a pretty local reference, mm-hmm. but... uh. Those who know it, know it. And uh, I was, for a certain period of time, I was the donut guy. Which meant that my shift was 3 a.m. to 11 a.m. You okay. Uh, so I had to go to work. You know, I had started work at 3 o'clock in the morning. And that was pretty rough. Because, uh, again, Oof. and this was even this was even in my <laughs> mid-20s. And I, yeah. it was just the idea of, like, having to go to bed at, like, 6 or 7 at night to get up at 2 a.m. so I could go to work. Mm-hmm. It was just, oh, God, it was a mess. Um, it was so bad that when my last job switched me to a 4 a.m. start time, I quit and found another job. Okay. Because I was not about to start. Like, I like first shift, but, like, when you start pre-6 a.m., you might as well be on third shift. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I I can't, I completely feel you there, and I don't know. Sleep deprivation <laughs> is something that I'm too familiar with, so and I'm sure you are too. Well, you went to college, so of course you definitely have yeah sleep deprivation. Well, I, I mean, I mean, I I didn't even do my homework in college. I I would have class like like I'd, I'd go to night class. I'd have like uh, a class on like Tuesdays, at six p.m. to ten p.m., and a class on Thursdays from six p.m. to ten p.m. Oh, and yeah. then I'd work, you know, five six days a week. Uh, from like five in the morning to you know noon or something like that. Right. Was, oh god. Yeah. It, it was it was not good for me long term. No. No. Yeah. No. So you know. I, I think it's why I have these like perpetual uh, shadows under my eyes. Like no amount of no amount of rest is gonna fix these. Yeah. I think. No. I was just talking to somebody about my bags the other day, uh, mm-hmm. and and how yes, no, a lack of sleep is is pretty much entirely responsible for that. But you know. Um. I don't like to sleep. I mean, I like to sleep. I don't yeah. like to go to sleep. Yeah. I, I feel like I waste a lot of time sleeping. Yeah. No, me too. That's probably not a healthy Can... attitude for either one of us to have in our 30s. Uh, no. 
or ever but there it is yeah i i feel like i get enough sleep in at this stage in my life but uh it you know i i, I go to work you know i wake up at like six thirty in the morning i get home at five thirty at night uh i spend you know 30 to 60 minutes doing obligatory things like feeding yeah. the like feeding my pets and and taking out the trash and mowing the lawn and things like that and then yeah i've got like three hours at night to you know just have for me right and that's that's not even counting uh that's not even taking into effect in, into account the the time that i need to spend with my wife right and the times that mm-hmm. i'll go out with friends when there's not a pandemic yep oh yeah so yeah yeah it's hard to find time it is. It is. It is. Yeah, I. I. Um, yeah, I. I live five minutes away from work, and so my commute is five minutes. But it's still hard for me mm-hmm. to find time. So yeah. Yeah. You know, being being a grown up kind of sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you know. All right. So you have a thing of the week. I. I do. I do. It's a little bit dated at this point, but I just got around to it. Kind okay. of, and I ah, maybe I feel like I don't know if I've talked about this before. I probably should have checked first. Um, Sorry, I, okay I just there, picked buddy? a scab off my leg, nice. and now my leg is bleeding. Sweet. But fortunately, I have some Jimmy John's napkins, so Hell yeah. uh, I'm going to power through this podcast. Absolutely. Well, I'm, You're injured. So you you tell me about your thing of the okay. week, and I'm just going to bleed out over here. Okay. Well, while while you're bleeding out in your office, um, I decided that my thing of the week is going to be Hamilton. Okay. Um, and the reason is because I just got around to like watching the concert movie on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I didn't really care for it. And it's weird because I love the album. Okay. And I don't really understand why, but like so like I was I was hanging out with somebody and we decided to watch Hamilton. And mm-hmm. neither one of us could really get into it, so we, you know, turned it off, watched something else, and then later I decided yeah. to try to watch it again by myself, and I still yeah. couldn't get into it. And I think I like it better as an album than I do as a play. Maybe I don't okay. really know. I okay. think my approach to it was always that it was more of a concept album. Uh having no knowledge of musical theater whatsoever i took my kind of you know i brought my experience to listening to hamilton and i heard it like a concept album okay so so you were expecting so you were expecting scenes from memory and you got the wiggles live kind of i wasn't really expecting scenes from a memory because i knew what it was (laughs) the wiggles live it was more like I didn't realize until I watched the movie, like the video, that I didn't actually care about the play part. I think. Okay. Um, but it was—I don't know—it was an interesting experience because I still really like that album. Although the more time I've spent with it, I've also realized that the first half is definitely better than the second half. Okay. Um. So anyway, how how familiar are you with Hamilton? uh really not really not very um i've heard a couple of songs just from like uh uh, mel got really into the soundtrack for a little while okay yeah um i think she actually had a similar opinion as you do because she heard the soundtrack before she saw it and then she saw it and i didn't watch the whole thing but i kind of like walked through the room and i saw you know some of it and i kind of 
you know get the the vibe of it but uh i i haven't uh experienced it in in full and i wasn't particularly impressed with what i saw yeah uh do you think that maybe the the hype around it affected your opinion of it probably probably okay i mean i was, i i mean the hype surrounding it is exactly why i got interested in the cast album in the first place okay and so yeah i think i got i definitely kind of got caught up in the whole hype train the hamilton hype train if you will um yeah and i do kind of i don't know maybe it maybe it is something that like you know i was expecting to see something that was really going to blow my hair back yeah and the actual performance of it when really it's just a play and i'm not all that interested in musical theater so i think it, uh, i think it, i think you i think there was that was probably a small part of it but the hype kind of surrounding it made it seem like a lot more than or a lot more exciting than i really was okay yeah uh quick aside uh my the company i work for back in 2017 i think we had an intern and uh she she was in college she didn't have a lot of money to her name uh but she was obsessed with hamilton and uh she she could never afford tickets this was like you know peak hamilton hype like right. this was when uh uh when like mike pence made the news for getting booed at a live hamilton yeah okay yeah uh, yeah i remember that actually. uh and yeah. And but yeah, so you know, not to get political here, but uh, yeah. you know, this this girl, she was like obsessed with Hamilton, and she would like every day she would enter this contest to win Hamilton tickets, and she would always talk about how uh, like her her best friend got tickets, and she like took the guy she was dating instead of her or whatever. It's oh yeah, yeah. anyway. Yeah. So uh, the drama. Yeah, I'm not really not really yeah not really going anywhere with that story, but uh, it, it's sort of an amusing anecdote for me uh surrounding that play oh yeah yeah and the well, hype and that's the thing i mean it, yeah the hype was really such a, a big part of it um yeah no there were it was really hard to get tickets to the point where i i never actually even bothered to think about trying yeah i never tried either. also i was like because it was like well even if i could get tickets there's no fucking way i could afford that yeah uh, so it was like nah um yeah, I don't know. I think my opinion on it is that it holds up better as an album than it does as a show. Okay. Um, I don't know. You know, I don't know. I don't know what to do with that take necessarily, but it's kind of my opinion of, of it. Um, I mean, that's fair. That's fair. But the soundtrack is really, really great, and I think on a songwriting level, I think is really kind mm -hmm. of what I loved about the cast album and just the way that like. Well, it's 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 hip hop, it's rap, and it's really well yeah. done. So like, there the the rhyme schemes and and rhythms and kind of all the little tricks and things that you know uh, yeah. that lyricists use in alliteration and that all of those little things and the way that those are used in just such interesting and creative ways in that show. And mm -hmm. it's it's one of those things that because of how well it's written, that's why it's so easy to remember almost all the words to it. Yeah, because it just kind of flows like that, and like I, I will confess that Hamilton, when I first started listening to it, did kind of like inspire a fresh wave of songwriting in me, because it was just sort of okay. crazy to see how 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 many different things you can do and how many different ways you can stretch a line and like I don't know. It was just sort of I think that 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 was a kind of a big inspiration for me. I think that I think the writing, the actual like lyric writing on that album is just still top notch. 
Um, and awesome. I, I will always stand by my favorite line in the entire show is, it's hard to have intercourse over four sets of corsets. <laughs> that's, that's pretty clever. I know, right? And kind of hilarious. So, yeah, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, did I guess I don't know. I don't know if I felt like I feel like I didn't get a whole hell of a lot of mileage out of uh, Hamilton. You know, funny story. Uh, real quick, funny story. I actually, uh, I did not realize for probably, uh, I, th- I don't think I realized until maybe a year ago that uh, Hamilton was a rap musical. Oh, really? Okay. So you thought yeah. it was just like a regular I, year I musical? Spent, yeah, I spent like two years hearing about it, but never hearing it. Right. So you just thought, so, that, oh God, oh yeah. So you yeah, were probably I just like thought it was a, really confused then. Yeah, yeah. I I heard it was a rap musical. I'm like, what? I I didn't. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't. No. Well, not only because like I feel like rap musicals are very uncommon. They but... are. No, I mean that was the main reason I heard about it is because of that. It was just like, oh my god. Yeah. You hear about this hip hop musical about Alexander Hamilton? Yeah. Yeah. Who like? Okay. Yeah. It was just such a weird thing. It was such a weird idea to make. Yeah. Like... Such a weird combination of things brought together. Yeah. Yeah, and it's crazy how well it works. Yeah, it yeah. really took off. Yeah, I know it really did, it really did. Hmm. And like, I can appreciate that Lin Manuel Miranda has kind of be, you know, become a lot more famous because of that. Um, and yeah. there's a reason for that. So, um, my favorite podcast is, and I mentioned it before on this show, like a thousand years ago. Uh, my favorite podcast is a show called My Brother, My Brother and Me. Okay. And um, it's a comedy show that gives out really bad advice. And um, Lin-Manuel Miranda, who is the writer, and he was the ori- originally played Hamilton in the original run. Um, okay. He's also, this. it's also his favorite podcast. And he's been a fan for, uh, well, since before he blew up and got super famous. Mm-hmm. And so, like, what he started to do is when he does, like, interviews on tv shows or if he does saturday night live he will like sneak in little references to this podcast okay and so that's super fun for me and also just knowing that like okay yeah like this guy's also kind of like in on all the same weird jokes as i am um and he also understands why the word boy is hilarious is it it is it is and it's really hard to explain why i'll try to do it uh Sometimes, but not on this podcast, but... Okay. But, yeah, because it's, it'll take a while, and, uh, you know... Um, That's fair. But, yeah, no, it's just something weird that, that they say on that show. So, yeah, no, I really kind of appreciate the, like, just sort of the uh, the fandom, or the, the fact that Lin-Manuel Miranda is also kind of, like, a huge fan of this super nerdy podcast with a, like, hyper-dedicated fan base. So, that's fun. Oh, yeah, so kind of thinking about Hamilton as a concept album mm-hmm. makes me want to ask you the question of what your favorite concept album is. Hmm. Uh, real quick, let's define the term concept album. Okay. Uh, That's are a good we, idea. That's a good idea. Are we interpreting rock operas as concept albums? Yes. Okay. To me, uh, my defin- my personal definition of a concept album 
is an album that it carries one consistent concept through the whole thing. So whether that is a series mm-hmm. of vignettes all showing a similar themes, or if it's a one particular story that's scripted and written, those are both concept okay. albums to me. They're just two different types of concept albums. Okay. That's my take. I, you know, I, there's that nobody's ever going to agree with, but yeah, that's, that's the definition okay. I work with. All right. So we're treating rock opera as a subgenre of, concept album yes so so scenes from memory is a concept album and a rock opera yes but octavarium is just a concept album just a concept album yes just a concept album okay uh i I gotta tell you i don't listen to a lot of bands that do concept albums so i'm probably gonna pick something from dream theater yeah no see that's the thing i don't either anymore oh (laughs) (laughs) so Um, i'll probably also pick dream theater maybe i don't know i'll try to go weird uh yeah i'm probably gonna say scenes from memory um uh it's uh you know it tells an interesting a fairly interesting story uh but i also i i also feel like that album was that came out during dream theater's like creative heyday uh you know and we've sort of talked at length about how uh how at least i feel and i think you've reflected similar feelings uh, that uh, uh, Dream Theater's newer work doesn't compare to uh, things like Scenes from Memory and Octavarium and stuff that oh, yeah, came no. out in like the late 90s and the aughts. And there was a whatnot. specific golden age of Dream Theater that I, I think <clears throat> started with, yeah, started in the late 90s and ended somewhere around the mid aughts. Okay. Uh, I would say Octavarium was kind of like the tail end of that golden I'd agree. age. Yeah. Um, I'd agree. Because Systematic uh, Chaos was, wasn't a great album. And I liked Black yeah. Clouds and Silver Linings, but I don't think it counts as a golden age album. I think, to me, that's an album that I like, but a lot of people didn't really care for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I know I didn't really care for it. Yeah. Uh, and, See, that's what I mean. A lot yeah. of people didn't. <laughs> And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. So, so okay. So, Scenes from a Memory is usually the one I go to. So, since mm-hmm. you picked it, I'm going to try to think of something different. And I'm going to try to think of something that's not Dream Theater. So, it might not be okay. my favorite, but... All right. You're definitely better suited for naming concept albums that are not Dream Theater than I am. Okay. Sounds good. Well, then, I think... Oh, there's a couple I'd like to choose between. But... Uh, just sort of the way I'm feeling today, I'm going to say uh, Joe's Garage by Frank Zappa. Okay. So tell me about that. I don't know if you've ever listened to it, but it's absolute bonkers. I'm not. Uh, it's incredible. You should definitely listen to it. Okay. Um, the music itself is, is very Zappa. A little jazzy, mm-hmm. poppy, very hard to pin down, kind of rock, eh, funk. It's got everything. It's Zappa. Okay. Um, but the story is wild. It's about this guy named Joe mm-hmm. who starts a band in his garage. So the whole story is set up as a morality play about the danger. Mm-hmm. Essentially, it's more complicated than this, but essentially the dangers of going into the music business. Okay. And um, so it's about this guy named Joe who starts a band and is immediately tempted by sex and drugs and all of the trappings 
and um, the the cool stuff. The cool stuff. Through a series of events, he winds up um, going uh, joining the uh, the Church of Appliantology, which um, practices having sex with robots. And okay. he performs a sexual act with a robot that was owned by the government and breaks the robot and goes to prison. And the first mm-hmm. act, I think it's the end of the first act, ends with the most on-the-nose sat- satirical piece of music I've ever heard, but I love it, and it's a song called Keep It Greasy. And in this song, Joe is in jail, in prison, and he's being continually violated by other by record executives who also wound up in prison. Okay. Which is, I mean, not even thinly, not even a vin- thinly veiled metaphor for the way that musicians are treated by the music industry. Um, yeah. You know, but uh, anyway. That's just the first part. I, it's like a, it's a pretty long album and it's a whole story. But that's kind of my favorite arc of the whole of the thing. Like Frank Zappa, it is wildly sexual, mm-hmm. um, and extremely inappropriate and probably offensive to at least a handful of people. Okay. Um, but I think the musical genius of it kind of shines through, even through the kind of. I personally like the story. I like the songs. I like the songwriting. Mm-hmm. I think that the vulgar kind. I have I have this sense of humor of a ten year old. Well, I'm not gonna yeah. I'm not gonna not laugh at poop, and sex mm-hmm. and dicks and butts and stuff. Um, so, <laughs> see, you're already <laughs> laughing. Um, but I think it's it's just a yeah, I mean a piece of as a piece of music. It's just fucking it's crazy. Uh, in terms, I mean, it just goes in and out of different genres and feels and time signatures and, like, tempos and things. And almost, it's a, it's a master class in writing ridiculously complicated music. I used to work with a guy who was obsessed with Frank Zappa. Okay. Um, and uh, he, he was kind of di- kind of a dick about it. Like, yeah, he's sort yeah, of a, a lot musical of Zappa elitist. A lot of Zappa fans are, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you know, when sometimes he'd climb off his high horse and he would be like, this is why I like Frank Zappa. And he would tell me like, like, Oh, he wrote a thousand albums in five years or something like that. It's right. really crazy. Yeah. yeah. Some uh, ridiculous. And work. yeah. And how like all his music is like, it's, it's, it's very, this it's very that, like it's very musically complex. And, uh, basically the impression I've always gotten about Frank Zappa is that he is a musical genius, yeah. but I will never be enough of a music nerd to fully appreciate it. And that's me. You're you're a bigger music nerd than I am. So Fair. I see you hugely yeah, yeah. appreciating it. Definitely. I th- I think that you would get more out of it. But me, I don't know. I don't know how your tastes land with with like crazy prog stuff and, you know, uh all of that. But like I think if you like dream theater, Frank Zappa can sort of serve as a more rock focused kind of dream theater experience with a hell of a lot more irony involved. Okay. Um, but I don't know know what it could just not be for you. And that's cool because like, you know, 
like Radiohead is a band that is hailed by music nerds and and, and musicians alike, and like it's mm-hmm. they're one of the most influential and important bands. But I don't like a single Radiohead song. So I don't either. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that. Um, <laughs> so you know what, Zappa might not just just might not be for you if if it's not you know, and that's there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I'm really yeah. glad we don't agree on Radiohead though. I just can't get into it, and I can't explain why. Yeah, I, I don't know. The actual like music doesn't it doesn't do anything for me. Like no. I like the the music that I enjoy. It uh, it tends to be stuff with you know like 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 hooks and catchy melodies yeah. and mm-hmm. like clever lyrics and like like a, like a really energetic singer or like yes. a, uh you know like really uh really clever guitar lead parts and, and yeah. things like that and i just i don't sense any of that in radiohead's music i don't know it's, it's you know i i i appreciate them but i don't sure yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. I don't feel anything when I listen to them. Me neither. Me neither. Like like you, I can appreciate their legacy and their influence, but yeah. I just don't. I don't get anything out of it either. So I'm really mm. glad you said that because uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's very helpful. Um, a surprising choice for one of my favorite concept albums might be uh, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Is Beatles. that a concept album? It is. Very, almost, it barely gets in. It barely gets in uh, based on our qualifications. Tell me more. Basically, it's it's set up at, well, the, the original idea behind the album was that the Beatles were not going to release this album as the Beatles. Okay. They were each going to play different characters in this fake band and put out an mm-hmm. album that way. It turned out to be a little bit different, but the framing device is still there for that. And so if you Mm. listen to the album from front to back, it's a show that this band is putting on. That's the the crowd noise is there. You know, all of these production tricks have all added to that. Um, And they're introducing the different band members as the album goes on. Mm -hmm. So yes, based on our definition, it, it's a concept album because it carries that concept of this is a performance of Sgt. Pepper's band from start to finish. It it okay. Can, it does, and it even closes out the show at the end of the album. And uh, interesting. That not I mean that's also my favorite Beatles album. Uh, but um, I don't think that's a controversial take at all. Not even a little bit. I mean, some <laughs> people might say Revolver or the White Album, but let's. Mm-hmm. I mean, at this point, we're just splitting yeah. hairs. But uh, yeah, no, Sgt. Pepper's is is an album that. I, I absolutely love. And I do think... I, I personally see it as a concept album. Okay. Uh, even if it's only only ever so loosely defined. Uh, now, didn't the Beatles put out Sgt. Pepper's after they like traveled abroad and did a bunch of drugs and self-exploration and something like that? Yeah, yeah. I think they that was right at around the time where they also stopped performing live. Did they stop performing live? They did. They did mainly because playing live became a nightmare for them. Uh, okay. Because the crowds were so huge and so loud that they couldn't hear themselves play. And it was always <laughs> chaos and like things got broken all the time because of all these people. So yeah, towards their later career, they just became a record band, just a studio band. Hmm. And I yeah. guess that was during an era where you could make money just selling records. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, you could always make money selling records if you're the Beatles. 
Yeah. <clears throat> but even then, Fair. yeah, even then, but like you could never get away with doing that now. No. 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 Record sales are nothing anymore. Yeah, especially with stuff like Spotify now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um yeah, so there you go. Sgt. Peppers. Sgt. Peppers. Great album. Concept album. Not quite a rock opera. Because it doesn't really tell a story. Yeah. But it's definitely conceptual. And worth a re-listen. Hmm. And with that, I think we have a podcast. I believe we have ourselves a podcast. I oh, I was just going to say, how do we end the show? But you end the show. <laughs> I end the show. Well, until you interrupt me, that is. Yeah, yeah. Dick. That's what I do. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. You can find us every Monday at noon Central Time on Apple Podcast Breaker, Google Podcast, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Spotify, and Copy RSS. Goodbye. Love you. <laughs>